0: Testing. All right, guys. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another exciting live stream on Elixir Mentor, where we dive into all things Elixir. I'm stoked to have a special guest with us today, Michael Lubis. He's the founder of Paraxial IO, and Michael has been at the forefront of software security and brought his expertise into the world of Elixir with Paraxial IO. And it's a platform that's quickly becoming a game changer for Elixir application security. So today we're going to be chatting about his journey, the challenges and his triumphs in creating a security platform tailored specifically for Elixir and how Paraxial iO is shaping the future of secure Elixir development. So grab your coffee and feel free to ask questions during this chat. Michael, it's super exciting to have you here and you're officially the first guest on my live (laughs) stream. Thank you.
1: Yeah, it's really exciting. Thank you for having me on the show.
0: Yeah. And I guess let's just kick it off with a quick introduction of who you are and what your background is and then how you got into the cybersecurity space. Yeah, for sure. So I,
1: I studied cybersecurity in school. I did penetration testing right out of college, which is where you know I'd be hired by like a big bank or financial organization to try to attack the applications and find security flaws with them. Um, it's a pretty standard career now. There's a lot of programs and uh, resources you can you can do to get started there. Um, I also really liked programming at the same time, so I was always looking for projects or things where I could create. You know, software to automate my job. I think that's probably pretty common among most of the listeners here, no matter how you get into, into software. So a few years ago, I was working at a job and we had to buy security software. Um, and this is pretty standard. Like, I'd be on these calls with like a vendor and we'd evaluate if their you know, software security thing was going to solve our problems, essentially. Um, you can either buy software like that, or you can kind of code it in-house. Um, we were buying it in that situation, and there's all these big vendors, like the big names, are these you know billion-dollar companies that do like cybersecurity, and none of them supported Elixir at all. Um, so that's kind of like a little bit of a setup for today. But essentially, my whole career has been in either cybersecurity or that and software development.
0: That uh, <clears throat> that's awesome. So I'm trying to fix our chat. It doesn't look like it's working. Oh, good. Um, Yeah, so that's amazing. Can you kind of explain like your origin story of what started IO, or what even started you in the Elixir world to begin with to realize the need for it?
1: Yeah, yeah. So the company I was working at, um, it's Frame.io, which is a great place. Um, They make software for the video production and media industry. So you can imagine, you have let's say like what we're recording right now. Imagine we weren't recording it live, but you were working at a big company. We were recording this interview. Then somebody was going to go edit it, and then they had to forward it to like their head of media for approval. Maybe they would, you know, comment like, "Hey, change this part, edit edit these parts, add a special effect here." Um, Frame.io makes software that does that, and it's it's very very good. So while I was working there, the company was acquired by Adobe in a deal for like a, over a billion dollars. It was like 1.25 billion, you know, some crazy number like that. Um, so that job is actually where I learned Elixir. I was hired to do product security, which means like the web app is secure. And I didn't know Elixir at the time. They hired me for this job. The whole back end was in this programming language. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to learn it. Like kind of the opposite of most people where I feel like they learn Elixir and then go out and try to find a job. I was just kind of, okay, I'm I'm doing this now. Um and I was really impressed by a lot of things just with the language. Um, the design of it. There's actually security benefits to using Elixir. A lot of people don't know that. Um, but it's actually more secure than some other programming languages. Um and I I just really liked working with it. Um so that job was really cool because I got to learn Elixir and got to kind of apply the skills in that way. But then I also saw this opportunity where, you know, a lot of businesses are in this situation, you know they have a web app, it it can't get hacked, or the whole company is going to have a huge huge problem, and they want to buy something to solve that for them. Um, and I kind of knew how to do that, um, just from my own background and then working with Elixir. There, there's a lot of commonalities among companies that um they need to secure their web applications, for example.
0: That's funny. i uh, I got into Elixir in a similar way. Uh, I started building a platform, and I had a buddy telling me for like five years that I need to check out Elixir. and I was like, Dude yeah, man, yeah, I know I like I don't have time to learn another language. but then I, <laughs> I started looking into all the pros of Elixir and I was building a marketplace. And it just yeah. made sense for, like, the fault tolerance and the concurrency and all of that good stuff that, you know, Erlang brings to the Elixir world. And I just dove in head first and built my platform in Elixir, and that's how I learned it. But, I, awesome. yeah, I love hearing that stuff. Now, you mentioned that there are benefits to using Elixir, like, on the security side. What are, like, in the security landscape, what's different? building an elixir application versus like other languages or frameworks so uh, like there's a lot of different apps you can build i'm gonna talk about web apps
1: because that's just like a common example like you're building a web app if there's like a login page um it stores customer data in a database i feel like that's most that that covers a lot of use cases right Mm -hmm. so you know there's commonalities in like web application security like OWASP top 10 like sql injection remote Code execution, cross-site scripting—you have to deal with those if you're making a web application. Like, period. Um, what's really interesting about Elixir, though, um, actually, I think it was the first ElixirConf talk. Jose Valim, the, the creator of Elixir, mm. the first one he like ever gave—it's in the first like five minutes of the talk. Maybe someone can find it. But he talks about like thread safety in Ruby on Rails. How like Ruby on Rails code is like not really quite thread safe i don't mean to like trash rails or anything too i actually i really like rails i think it was like a major milestone for application security so like in rails you know like when you're coding you can't like introduce cross site scripting by default because it kind of pushes you or like a sql injection mm-hmm. you know it pushes you to use like the secure defaults so rails is like really really good at at that stuff um, but there is this thread safety problem in in ruby um, and to give an example of like why it's bad. Um, a few years ago, everyone had to get logged out of GitHub because when some people were logging into GitHub, they were like getting logged into the wrong GitHub account, um, which is really bad mm-hmm. for a lot of a lot of places, as you could imagine. Like all your listeners can understand why that's bad. So the reason for that was a thread safety issue. In Ruby and Ruby on Rails, GitHub has this whole post-mortem blog post about it. Um, But it's funny watching this talk that Jose gave, I think it was 2014. It was like well before that um, incident. But Jose like kind of correctly recognizes like this thread safety thing. Like it's a really hard problem. Like Ruby is a good language. Rails is a great framework. It's just not really designed to stop this like thread safety issue. And Erlang was like designed from day one to fix it. So this like problem, uh, it's called like a data race is like the technical term you'll hear race condition that refers to like a little bit of a bigger set of problems, but this data race, like race condition thing, like Elixir just solved it completely for web apps. It's like a huge accomplishment in security. I think I'm like the cheerleader online for it because it's like me, there's one other article online about this. And then there's a paper um, that uh, actually came out of a university um, trying to like, for some reason argue this point. They were saying like, oh, Elixir security is actually bad. So then I I published like a response to that paper. Um, and that that was we can talk about that if you want. But essentially what Elixir and Erlang, you know, is doing underneath is creating these processes that don't share memory. So like you learn about this when you're first learning Elixir and you're like, this is good for concurrence and fault tolerance, right? But it's also good for security because if two people log into the application at the same time you can't have this situation where like some memory like uh your session identifier is like being stored in memory mm-hmm. and then two threads are like writing and reading to it at the same time like that's impossible in erlang because each process like the erlang process not the os process but like the erlang process has the isolated memory space um so this is like a bit this is like a huge one i always like i love to talk about it um like that's, that's like a huge security benefit that Elixir brings to companies that use it um, just for web apps, you know?
0: Yeah. I like hearing about these because I like to think I care a lot about security and like I yeah. do, I just, am very limited when it, no, like, you know, you always hear about SQL injection or like, like cross site scripting and like the common yeah. ones and um, like credential packing or whatever you would yeah, call yeah, it. Yeah. Like things like that, like, I'm aware of those things, but I also don't really know from like a standpoint of being a small development shop, how do you actually prevent these things? And then, you know, starting to chat with you and playing around with your platform, it makes a developer's life very, like a, a lot easier. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So I'm impressed. I've played with your platform over the last like week or so, and it's it's been an eye opener because you just aren't really aware of the things you should be aware of. (laughs) And so, yeah, I've enjoyed that, I guess. Let's jump in and talk about, uh, paraxial and talk about maybe some of your key features, what you're aiming to prevent and where you kind of fit into, you know, the elixir market.
1: Yeah, so it might seem odd for somebody that started like a security company for a language, um, in this case Elixir, to say that it's pretty secure. It's like most of the marketing is the opposite, where like you start a Kubernetes security company and you're like, "Oh, Kubernetes is terrible. Like, it's not secure. You need to buy my product." Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't, I, I d- didn't make any sense to me. I, I really like Elixir. It is secure. What, what I'm really doing with Paraxial is like giving developers the tools to secure the app and to automate that work. So there's a lot of work that goes into securing like a web application, even one written in Elixir. Um, like you still need to do the regular security work. It's like maintenance on a car. You know, you can buy a more reliable car brand, but if you just do zero maintenance ever, it's going to break down. Um, so really what Praxial is about is, you know, secu- like just the web application security. Like you have an Elixir web app, it can't get hacked, like, what do I do? And if you go out and talk to vendors, everyone's gonna be like, oh, we do this part, we do like SAS or RASP or it's like acronyms. Um, and it's just like annoying. You know, you're just like, can't just buy something and like my web app is secure. I don't have to worry about it. Um, and that's really like where the product is. Um, we can kind of break it down if you want and like kind of go through some some common items if you want.
0: Yeah, I think I think it would be good to go through Go through your common features and items and, you know, what your dashboard makes easy from like, you know, asset management to everything. And like asset, ma- asset management is actually something um, my partner with my dev shop, we actually have a, a podcast and yeah. we've talked a lot about, you know, making sure especially for like authentication and credit card or any financial dependencies that you stay up to date and you know about security vulnerabilities and things, it's not an easy thing. It's a very manual process to track. And that's something that Praxial makes very easy. And it might be one of my favorite features that you have, honestly. Thank you. So yeah, if you want to talk about that, that'd be awesome
1: yeah so for for some context for um like like what is asset management, like why is it important? Um, there's two example kind of like security incidents that really illustrate like the risk to web applications. So the first is the Equifax breach. So this happened a few years ago. Equifax is a big credit raging agency here in the United States. um they have everyone's like Social Security number, they track your um, like employment records, and they got hacked, and it was like massive. Um, like the CEO got fired or something; and he left. Um, they had a financial settlement for four hundred and twenty-five million dollars. You know, like it was a huge, huge incident for the company. It started because there was this really bad security problem in Apache Struts. Um, if you're like, what is that? Um, you know like you have Elixir, Elixir is the programming language and mm-hmm. then Phoenix is like the web app thing. Java is like the programming language and then Apache Struts, it's like the web app framework. So it'd be like if Phoenix had like a huge security problem. Um, so what happened was these researchers or whatever, they found this security problem in Apache Struts and then they like published it on GitHub. So anyone with like a computer that could like run a scanner could scan the entire internet for like servers. And if you were running like an old version of struts that was like compatible with the exploit, you could just like hack into it, like logging in and you'd have like production SSH access. Um, So when that happens, the top priority of every security team, like in the world of companies that use Java and struts is like finding all of the legacy apps that run that and like trying to patch them. And it's a mess, like it's horrible. Um, So Equifax didn't, Catch that box, um, the attackers got in and and breached the company. So that example, um, I'm not trying to like trash talk the security team or like the the people at Equifax either. It's really just it's a great example of like the kind of security work that goes on every day. Like if there's a huge security problem in Phoenix tomorrow, um, it's unlikely, I think, for a number of reasons. But if that happened, you know as a security team at a company using elixir you need to be able to see like okay we have this many web apps and this many are on the public internet this many have customer data um and they're all running like this version of phoenix we have to go out and upgrade these um and that's like work you know it's like security work but y- you don't want to be manually maintaining like a database of, of app versions you know it's like not good it's like not a good use of engineering time you just want to kind of outsource that
0: yeah and like i was um, saying it's it turns into an extremely manual process
1: exactly and the yeah. more
0: projects you have the more o- overwhelming if it's not an organized thing that you're doing constantly cuz you're you're auditing you know potentially tens to hundreds of projects and uh, yeah exactly it gets very difficult so yeah
1: that's like a great example um like trying to maintain that list is annoying mm-hmm. or at the same time, you could be coding like a web application, and you could introduce like a security problem. It's called remote code execution, is like the technical term. Um, just think of it as like somebody sends an HTTP request, and then they can like SSH into your your web server and then leak all your customer data. Um, that's like a disaster. Yes. SQL <laughs> injection is like another bad one. Um, but every company that's like developing a web app in Elixir needs to be able to check like, okay, somebody just opened a new commit like, scan it and see if the developer, like, introduced that security problem. Um, And if they did, like, you know, make a note of it in GitHub and, like, communicate it to people and have someone else maybe look at it. Um, You know, Soblo is the open source tool that does that. And and Soblo is great. I love Soblo. I think Griffin, the guy who created it, is like a genius. Um, Because if you read the source code, it's just, like, incredible, the, the like, security problems he thought of. the problem that some people have with using it is, you know, it fails, and you have to like dig through the GitHub action or like the CI log, and people are like, "Oh, like I just need to get this feature like shipped out." Um, so people tend to just like skip over it sometimes. Um, so like that's a praxial, like something praxial does is it like surfaces that to the engineers with like more context, like, "Hey, here's a finding from Soblo, but like even if you are vulnerable, th- like this one's not really that big of a deal. Like the impact is low." versus like remote code execution, Praxial will be like, hey, this is like like look at this one. Like it's it's very serious.
0: Yeah. Um, I really loved like when I was playing around with Praxial when, you know, it flags like an SQL injection. Yeah. And it shows you examples of how to fix it. Because most yeah. people you might not know where the problem is and then it makes it so like immediately obvious and you know what to do. So that was super beneficial. It was like a little instruction guide to Cleaning up your code base.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the features that we're talking about, um, they're in, like Praxilo is kind of two parts. One is called Application Secure, and one's called Bot Defense. So Application Secure is like the asset management we talked about, the um, like the code scanning and dependency scanning. Um, those are just common requirements. It, there's a runtime monitor part, which is pretty cool. It uses like Erlang's tracing to detect like remote code execution at runtime. Um, so that would like detect and block this attack that we've been talking about. Um, that's all on application secure. There's another recent hack um, that covered, it's related to bot defense. So it's like Praxilio bot defense is this other half of it. Um, and the reason I created it was actually from my personal experience, but I'll, I'll tell a story that illustrates it really well. Um, 23andMe, like the genetics testing company where you send them your saliva and they, mm-hmm. and they give you your genome or something. Um, They're in the news right now from a data breach and the attacker didn't like hack into the server like we're talking about with this like exploit. It seems like, you know, from the public reports, they just wrote a bot to do login attempts against like the the login form. So, you know, most people on the Internet reuse their username and password. So what the bad guy does is it's not trying like one email address and then like a thousand passwords for that one email. What they do is they take a list of like a million emails and passwords, but like it's a different email each time. And they're running the attack looking for people that reused their password across sites. So, you know, you sign up for like some random website, you use the same password as your 23andMe account, that site gets hacked, and then they scan. And this is like super common. This is why, like, when your relative is like my, Amazon got hacked or something. They probably reused it. Like, that's probably how it happens. And, like, I've literally seen this attack. Like, I've been the guy in the server logs,
0: like, watching yeah, it. This it's d- extremely common. Password hygiene. I'm on my family all the time about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And, like, just, a, just password managers solve your problem. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, it's kind of scary because people don't really think about that. And so, Praxial actually monitors all of those hits that are coming from IP addresses. So you yeah. actually know it's coming from the same place, even though they're changing the credentials every every hit, right?
1: Yeah, it, it, and it's like super obvious. You know, it's stuff like check how many logins like one IP did. And if it did too many, ban them. Or like if, if like a AWS server is trying to like log into your app, like that's bad, like ban mm-hmm. that. Like there's all these techniques you can use. Um, And just having them kind of accessible in like a native Elixir way is, I think, really beneficial. Um, And and these problems are common across like all web apps. Like I kind of have like beef with the AppSec industry where for for a little bit of context, like when you start a security company, um, you really want to like land these Fortune 500 contracts. So your goal is like, I'm going to do like static code analysis and like that's what my company is focused on or like I'm going to do dependency security or, um, you know, just like kind of like a very narrow sliver like that. And they go after like the big Fortune 500 contracts. Those are kind of set up like that's that's its own market. There's really nothing, though if you're like, I'm a developer, like I don't work for a huge company, but I work for like a company with a budget, you know, for this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just want to secure my web application. Like, what do I buy? And like, there, there's nothing out there, like before IO. and, you know, Praxel.io is really just Elixir right now. Um, but like the market just hasn't had that as a focus. Like, I'm a, I am have a web app and like, it has to be secure. It's always like some slice, like, a, like an acronym or something, you know? <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. And so with people out there, with an existing product, budget, whatever, how yeah. difficult is it to integrate your service, Paraxial IO, into existing code bases and, you know, get up and running?
1: Okay, so people don't believe me when I tell them how like fast it's going to be. And I, and I know why. It's because I've been on the other side of this, where they think it takes like a month. Mm-hmm. Because, like, if you buy some cybersecurity products, like, it will genuinely take, like, three weeks of, like, engineering time to, like, get... It's, it's ridiculous because there's, like, a universal Java agent and and all this nonsense. Um, but, like, with Praxio, you can, like, literally get set up in, like, an hour. Um, it's all documented. Like, I hop on calls with people. I've done it, like, on a live call. Um and because it's all Elixir code, but that's the problem is like a lot of vendors don't do that. They they want to like have this like oh you got to install this Docker Kubernetes thing. But when you do it just in the native programming language, like it works, like it's compatible. It's
0: I will say I got up and running with it very quickly. I need to learn how your docs are amazing. By the way, I think oh, thank you. you. I wrote uh, them. Uh, well, a lot of people don't write their docs in the amount of detail that you provide. And I think it's super helpful because not only is there documentation, you also have like screenshots and, you know, everything that it's hit or miss. I would say, you know, maybe 10% of documentation out there looks good. And (laughs) you're in that 10% might be generous, but your, your documentation is uh, very clear because I got up and running pretty quick and I never, used your product before.
1: I, I have to give some credit, cause I use the Elixir, you know like the Elixir documentation generator.
0: Oh, I love, I mean, I think that's a huge strength of Elixir too. Like, yeah,
1: like that's what I used for mm, it. So. <laughs> uh,
0: that's awesome, that's great. It makes you yeah. write really good code cause you document as you write. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that. Um, I guess what advice, if you were to give any, just not even like necessarily use paraxial io but yeah what is like good generic <laughs> elixir security advice to other developers out there
1: oh so i actually have the, the big psa this is like a super technical example um if you're like getting some data from like the wire like like you're on a machine and you're like i need to like ingest some data and like do something with it um you have to like serialize it right so typically you do like JSON serialization, there's a function called binary to term where like let's say you really you just have like a list in Elixir mm-hmm. and you want to convert it to something you can like send over the internet, you could convert it to like an Erlang binary. Um, that is an extremely dangerous thing to do because even if you use that function with like the safe option, um, that's how remote code execution like happens. Um, The safe version is called plug crypto non-executable binary to term. Um, If you're serializing with JSON, like you're fine. Like, don't worry about it. But if you're like doing the Erlang binary format, that's like my PSA. Like when I do pen tests or like when I'm talking to someone about it, I'm like, just grep for this like one thing, like check your code base for it because it takes like five minutes. And it's like, I think the value of the entire test right there because that could like, you know, destroy everything. Um, so that's like a common PSA I have, like be careful. Um, Ecto is really good. Um, someone asked me one time, like, oh, like I'm using Ecto for SQL injection, but I'm scared it's like not powerful enough. Like I want to buy Praxial for that. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Like it doesn't actually help. Um, Cause Ecto is great. Like if you stay within like the Ecto query Guardrails, like you're not going to be vulnerable. Yeah, that's that's why I
0: like Ecto so much. It makes yeah. it makes you feel a lot more comfortable than writing your own your own SQL queries.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like Ecto is great, Phoenix is great, because um, Phoenix like protects against a lot of the stuff by default. Um, with Live View, I would say you, you do have to do like authentication, um, like authorization on the back end with Live View. So I like kind of watch out for that. Like hiding a component on the front end, someone can just submit that WebSocket anyway. Like that's not a security. Right. Thing. So like, make sure you're always checking. That's like a common one. Um,
0: I really liked. Uh, you made a poster, a video about having the hidden credentials. Yeah. To yeah. like catch bots and things.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a feature now
0: too. And I, I love that. I never, I've never really thought about that, but it's such a good idea.
1: Yeah, thanks. Um, So that's a good one. Um, Oh, I guess I should mention um, Potion Shop is this open source, um, like vulnerable Elixir app. I made it, um, Jonathan and I did this project. Essentially, like, let's say you want to start using Soblo, but like you run it on your own project and like it doesn't find anything and you're like, okay, like what does this thing even do? Um, Potion Shop, if you search like Potion Shop Elixir security, it should pop up but it's like vulnerable to all these security problems on purpose. And then there's like documentation on like what the problem is. Um, you can run Sobo against it to like see how it works. Um, I think you're using it to like test Paraxial. I am. <laughs> and
0: we can actually say on on Wednesday, I'm going to be releasing a video where I use Parox- Paraxial and uh, walk through your whole platform and how it works and all the awesome features from like your GitHub app and your Slack app and all that oh uh, so yeah
1: yeah yeah sure. it'll
0: be it'll be a it'll be a fun little video and I think it'll be a good eye opener for uh people being a little more aware of security vulnerabilities thanks yeah i appreciate it yeah so I guess. We've been going for about 30 minutes, <laughs> so we can slowly start to wrap this up. If anyone has any specific questions, I know there's a little bit of a delay. You can start writing those out and I'll make sure that I ask Michael. And then I guess as, as far as like the evolution of IO, where did you start? to where you are now based off like user feedback and what you saw as good market fits. And what do you see the future of IO going? You know, it's funny.
1: Um, there's this like really common advice in startups that you'll, you'll probably hear where it's like, just launch something. Um, like it's not gonna be perfect at the start. Like that's normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so Paraxial started, it was only bot defense. Um, That's all it did. And I got some interest there, but then people were like, yeah, but like I had this SoBlo stuff um, and like I have these findings and like, we're kind of worried about this problem. Um, So there was like a a very sharp period of iteration there. Um, It was funny. I wrote this document. It was like the Elixir security CTO guide um, where I kind of like sat down and I I imagined like, okay, I have to like give advice to like a CTO of a company using Elixir. Like to secure it like what would I tell them? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, the first thing is like kind of asset management. And I was like, yeah, I should go build that and put it in paraxial. Uh, so if you think like, oh, he wrote that guide to like promote asset management, it was like the other way around we're kind of like thinking through the whole problem. I was like, yeah, that's a good feature. like I'm gonna add that. Um, but yeah, really like communicating with customers is like a huge one. Um, that's like another cu- cliche in like startups. is like talk to your users a lot, mm. but it's like a cliche because it's correct, you know? right? Um, like, y- you'll learn things. Um, like people just tell me, like people like like the customers give me amazing feature ideas, and like I launch, everyone's like, "Oh, this is perfect! Like, I love it! I-, I wanted that!" Because like you know, you don't really have the perspective um of like a customer always, um like when you're building something.
0: Yeah, you're too close to the problem, or you just have your grand idea in your mind and you don't actually think about how people use your product. Yeah. So
1: those things were super helpful. Yeah.
0: Okay. I love that. All right. We have a question from Nate. Um, What are some of the vulnerabilities that keep you up at night?
1: Um, I mean, I'm not really worried
0: too much. (laughs) Um,
1: Like the thing is, if you like, Like the the guide that I wrote, or if like you're doing the basics really well, you're just like so much more secure than like 99%, really even more than that. Like the attacks that go on every day, it's like a guy wants to hack some websites and it's like, okay, what has the largest market share? And it's like Java stuff or like WordPress so when you check, like when I see Praxial logs, it's like, oh, somebody scanned me for like WordPress vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> like it wouldn't even work, you know? Right. Because it's just a different. It's like a different framework. Um. So if you're using Elixir and like you're doing the security things well, like there's no reason to to be worried about it. Like so, nothing you're should in... keep you up at night if
0: you're using Elixir yeah, like, properly. Yeah,
1: because <laughs> you know you're in such a good position. Like it's so good at everything. Um, like, I don't really worry about it, you know? I would say that like, in terms of checking though, like when you're doing your security review, like anything with SQL injection or like remote code execution, like th- those are the ones you really have to be careful about. Like any feature, like don't even get close to it if you can just avoid it completely. Yeah, you know?
0: for sure. Yeah, SQL injection is scary. You don't want I don't wanna mess with that.
1: I, I guess I should explain why. Um, so there's other, there's other security problems like cross-site request forgery, mm-hmm. which is not really as severe because the way that attack works is like your app has to be vulnerable. Then a bad guy has to like set up a site and then he has to trick someone that's like logged into your site to visit the malicious site. And then the attack goes, but like, you know, you can see how the scope is kind of limited. Like it just lets you perform like a post request. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be really bad. You could be like transferring money in a bank or something. Um, but like, that is an attack that we say it like requires user interaction. With SQL injection or like remote code execution, you can just dump the database or like hack into the web server. Mm-hmm. Like there's no user interaction. It's like if you're vulnerable and somebody finds it and they pull it off, like you're done.
0: Yeah. Um, and like all they have to do is put a nasty query through a form or whatever vulnerability yeah, exactly. they have. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. It's definitely good to be aware of. Uh, Anar is asking, is there a plan to make an IDE or editor integration for Paraxial?
1: It it actually, that actually could work. Um, It's very difficult to do well, I'll say, Um, for a number of reasons. Like, you know, when you're coding something, um, sometimes like there's a lot of like security, like kind of feedback things. It's very difficult to support too. Um, kind of like from a, like a product market perspective, because I use VS code. I think a lot of people use VS code. So it'd probably be that, mm-hmm. but then like, if I have a customer, I like, I know I have a customer using Eclipse, for example, and like, then I have to support the Eclipse and it's just, it, it blows up the scope really quickly.
0: For sure. And then jet brands and then, you know, everything, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. If if there's anything that we can wrap up with, is there any way that uh, the Elixir community can contribute to you know help make Elixir more secure overall for the whole ecosystem? I'd
1: say the community
0: does does a fantastic job. Um, like there's open
1: source libraries for like everything you could imagine, like GDPR, code scanning. Like the community is just fantastic. Um, what I, what I think about is kind of like communicating the benefits to management where, you know, people are asking like, hey, like there, there's not as many Elixir jobs as I'd like right now. And, you know, Python was in the same situation when it was the same age as Elixir. It, it, Java was like the juggernaut at the time. Um, so I think that like communicating to management like, hey, this thing will save you money. You know, Pinterest saved $2 million a year in their server bill from switching to Elixir. Um, it's more secure than other languages. You know, the the app stays online, It's it's less cost to the business. I think communicating those benefits is like really beneficial, you know, in terms of the community growing, but also in terms of more companies using the language and creating Elixir jobs for people.
0: Yeah, I did see a question. Someone was saying they don't think Elixir is worth it for the job market, but it's more of a yeah. hobby and the job market, it's definitely more difficult. There's not a lot of jobs. And I think a lot of Elixir jobs are more senior level, but that is all gonna going to slowly change over the next, you know, five years or less, I would think, because I'm already watching the community grow tremendously since I've been just doing my YouTube channel. And it's, it's pretty cool to watch.
1: Oh yeah. I've, I've had companies like huge companies you've heard of be like, Hey, we're thinking of adopting Elixir. Like that's why we booked this call with you because we, there needs to be like a security thing for it. That's so awesome. I'm hoping it, I'm hoping it helps with that. Yeah, with yeah that process
0: <laughs> for sure. And then you're the ground floor. You're the go-to security platform. I love that. All right. Awesome. Um, is there any closing statement you'd like to make before we wrap this up, Michael?
1: And you know, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone for for listening. You know, I really appreciate you having me on this show. Um, this was awesome.
0: This was awesome, and it went well, even though <laughs> ten minutes before I couldn't get my camera to work. <laughs> <laughs> but no one has to know those problems. But no, this went well. It was awesome. I'm glad you're my first guest because security is important and often overlooked. So I think it's a good discussion to always have.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it, man.
0: All right, awesome, man. Well. Thanks for coming on and uh, for everyone that's listening, thank you for joining. Thank you for chatting and being involved and uh, I'll see you guys in the next live stream. Testing.